Let's begin by reading in Judges chapter 13. We'll look at the first seven verses, and then we'll pray together, and we'll get into the message. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. There was a certain man of Zoar, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Uh, now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not anything unclean. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine, nor strong drink, neither any unclean thing, for thou uh, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, to the day of his death. I want us to consider tonight this thought, the roller coaster life of Samson. Let's pray as we consider this. Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. And again, we ask, Lord, tonight that you'd help us again to learn some lessons from the life of Samson. Uh, so many different lessons we could learn from him, but we'll try tonight to just look at a few that hopefully can be a help to the hearer. I pray that you again would help this message to be a help to them. Father, a warning to some. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I wonder what the life of Samson would have been like if he would have just simply followed the will of God for his life. <laughs> I wonder what it would have been like. I bet you it would have been an amazing life. But you know, none of us really, I believe, perfectly follow the will of God for our life. And we see in the life of Samson... God extend grace to a man who deviated from the will of God for his life. As we consider his life here tonight, I want to consider some things that we can learn from his life and some things that we should consider in life. The first thing I want us to notice here tonight is that God has a calling and cause for your life. He does. Not just for Samson's life, but for your life and for my life. God has a calling and cause for your life. We see this in Samson's life. He was given as a gift from God to this family, to this husband and wife that had been barren. And uh, it says there in verse number five there, it says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And so we see in the Bible here that this son would be a Nazarite to God. He would be someone consecrated to God. That was not the choice of the parents. That was a choice of God for his life. That Samson would be a special boy consecrated to God. He would be a Nazarite from the womb. Even before he came out as a child, we would say before he was born, he was to be consecrated to God. That was God's calling for his life. That was the cause for which Samson was born into this world. 
was a purpose in God allowing Samson to live and to come into the world. And that was to be a Nazarite, a consecrated child, a consecrated young person, a consecrated old person living for God and living for the will of God. We see in verse number seven, this wasn't just to be the beginning of his life, but was to continue throughout his life. It says, but he said unto me, behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. His whole life was to be one consecrated to God. But he was not only someone to be consecrated to God, but we also see he was to be one of the deliverers or the judges that would help God's people there. It says there in verse number five, he should be a Nazarite unto God and he shall begin to deliver Israel the hand of the Philistines. So he had a twofold calling to be a Nazarite to God from the day he was born, even before he was born, till the day he would die. That's a very unusual calling. In fact, I don't know that anybody else in the Bible has that calling be a Nazarite from the day they're born to the time that they die. Even before he was born, his mom was to be, again, someone, again, who was involved with this Nazarite vow, even during this birth process. But he was also to be a deliverer. And it says there in verse number five that he would begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of Philistines. He wouldn't finish it, but he would begin to deliver as we consider, again, this calling on his life, it was a call to be very different in this world. Again, I'd like us to turn back there in Numbers chapter 6. We looked at this last week, but again, I'd like to come back here because, you know, there's people that think, you know, uh, maybe the Nazarenes or, you know, the modern-day Nazarenes or Nazarites or Jesus was a Nazarite, and there's a lot of confusion concerning uh, Nazarites. So I just want us to consider the Nazarite and the vow that they would have, again, it could be a, a temporary vow, it could be a long-term vow, it was a voluntary vow, as we find here in Numbers chapter 6. Let's read again here in verse 1, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, he says, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves, a vow, a vow of the Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or, or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor moist grapes or dried. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation shall he be, shall no razor come upon his head, until the days be fulfilled in which he separateth himself on the Lord, he shall be holy and shall let the locks of, of the hair of his head grow. And all the days of his separation him, himself to the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. He shall not make himself unclean for his father, for his mother, for his brother, for his sister uh, when they die because the consecration of his God is upon him. In all the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. So we see here in the Bible, Samson with an unusual calling. And his calling, again, is to be a Nazarite unto God from his birth till the day he dies. 
This wasn't necessarily his choice, but this was God's choice for his life. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The separation would call for him to be subject to God. That, by that I mean he would have to follow the will of God. He would have to follow the will of God his whole life. He would have to, in a sense, give himself wholly to God. He would have to be, hey, I'd have to decide that he's going to be a deliverer and follow the will of God. This was God's will for his life, and his parents knew exactly what it was, and I'm sure he found out right away uh, what this will of God was for him. He was going to be a Nazarite. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, verse number 4 and verse number 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse number 4 and 5, it says, uh, for, for if any cometh preaches another Jesus, whom I have not preached, or if any another spirit which I have not received, or another spirit which ye have not accepted, ye may well wear with him. For I suppose it was not to wit behind the very chiefest of the apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things, have I committed an offense by abasing myself that you should be exalted because you have preached? Uh, I have preached to you freely, uh, 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 preached to you the gospel freely. I've robbed other churches, taking service to them to do service to you. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking of me, the brethren of Macedonia supplied, and in all things I kept myself from being burdensome to you, so that I might keep myself. Paul talks about just doing what God would have to do. And Samson would be in a position where he would just simply seek to do what God would have him to do. He was not to waver from God's will for his life. He wasn't supposed to choose what he wanted to be with his life. Again, I know this is an unusual situation here, but uh, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 23. The story of Samson's life to be a, was to be a one that was consecrated to God, given over to God. In a sense, he was to live exactly like Jesus was. Our Lord was holy, undefiled, separate from sin, serving the will of God, was to live for God, to do the will of God till the day of his death. He was not a Nazarite. But he was called to be holy, and he was holy. And he was to deliver people from sin. And Samson was to deliver these people from the Philistines. A different calling, yet a calling nonetheless. Hebrews 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that has promised. Let's hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that has promised. Not to waver. Samson wasn't to live a roller coaster life, one where he was living for God and the things of God and empowered by God, and then have, a, have times in his life where he was careless and carnal and, and, again, doing things contrary to the will of God. He was a man, as I said last week, full of tremendous potential. But yet, I don't believe he lived up to all his potential. But he did certainly begin to deliver God's people from the hand of the Philistines. 
Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. I want you to know here tonight that God has a, a reason you were born, a purpose for you to live, a cause that you're to take, and a will that is for you and you alone. Again, I don't have necessarily that same will or calling on my life that you might have on your life. Certainly Samson's calling was different for a different time, a different place in history. But we'll see in the Bible that others have been called to a similar kind of personal calling. The personal calling for Samson was to be a Nazarite unto God from the day he was born till the day he died. He was to be a deliverer and deliver God's people from the hand of the Philistines. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. The will of God for Jeremiah. You've probably seen this before, but let's read it. Nonetheless, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then I said, Then said I, Ah, Lord, Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not that I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak, but I am not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver, uh, to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then he put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I put my words in thy mouth. See that I have this day set thee over nations, over kingdoms, to root out, to pull out, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Jeremiah's calling was different than Samson's. But he had a calling for his life. God has born you into this world, put you into this world for a purpose. And it's the will of God that you seek to fulfill that purpose. And I seek to fulfill that purpose. Let's search to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You may not fulfill that purpose. There's certainly, again, a lot of people throughout history that have maybe even seen or known their calling, known maybe what God had purposed for them to do. Maybe God made them, again, to be very musical, and they're able, again, to use that musical ability for the glory of God. But there are others probably that maybe have musical abilities, and they use that ability to glorify Satan and sin. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3 and verse number 4. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, actually, uh, wait a second. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and uh, verse number 3 and verse number 4. Got my references wrong there. Pretty close, but not quite right. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3 and verse number 4. What is God's general will for your life? It's the same for every person. In verse 3, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Is there anybody that God would not want to see saved? No, there's not a single person. There's not a single person that's ever been born. There's not ever a person that will ever be born that God has not purposed for them to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But do all come to the truth? Do all embrace the truth? Do all, uh, again, follow the truth? Are all saved by grace? No, but God says this is, this is good. This is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's world for every person, from Samson to Jeremiah to you to me, is that we be saved. 
and come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 4. That special purpose that uh, Samson had for his life was to be, again, empowered by God, being given the abilities of God and the strength of God and the, and, and, and the wherewithal, again, to grow up in a very consecrated background by consecrated parents that would raise him to live, to be holy before God, to see his purpose in life is to be holy and separate towards God. And then one day he would rise up and begin to judge God's people. And he began to, to fight the Philistines and, 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 and destroy some of the Philistines. And that was God's purpose for Samson's life. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, I think sometimes people get this all confused and thinking, you know, some people are maybe born to pleasure and born to do their own thing. Some are born to be wild. But God's calling is that all would give pleasure to Him. All creation would give pleasure to Him. Samson would give God pleasure at times when he would do God's will, and he did do it at times. There's no doubt about that in the Bible. We'll look at that here, at least some tonight. He would give glory to God by doing the will of God with his life. You know, it might seem very unusual sometimes what God might do to bring glory to himself. Let's turn to John chapter 9. Someone might be born, we would say, maybe deformed or maybe uh, not functional, fully functional as a person. I mean, you know, someone says, well, why, why are some people born a certain way? Maybe someone's born, as we see here in John chapter 9, blind. Why is someone born blind? I don't know why they are born blind, but I do know this. All creation is born to give pleasure to God. All those who are born in this world are to come to a place of the knowledge of the truth. And all people are given in this world to give somehow glory to God, their creator. Let's read a little bit about a guy born blind in John chapter 9. John 9, it says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while his day with the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had spoken thus, he spat on the ground and made clay of spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went this way therewith, and washed, and came, seeing. And the neighbors therefore, and they that were before him, had seen him that was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. But he said, I am he. Here's a guy that's born blind. And he's so poor because he's blind, and in those days there was no welfare system or whatever it might be that might attend to, again, a blind person, so a blind man would beg. And so part of his life he's in a position where he has to beg. Why is he begging? And why is he born blind? Someone says, well, 
course it's because his parents sinned or he sinned that he's born blind. Jesus says there in verse number three, it's not for this purpose that he was born blind. He was born blind that the works of God should be manifested in him. The work of God, that God, that God can heal even the blind. And so this man was given sight. Look at verse number 26, same chapter. Then say they to him, this blind man who now could see, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore, would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. And we know that God spoke unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not whence he is. And the man answered and said unto him, Why herein is this marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is? And yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. For if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, uh, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could not do nothing. Then answered he and said unto them, uh, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now, this guy found the will of God in his life. Born blind, born a beggar, got healed. People didn't like it. And yet you find him coming to salvation. He found the will of God for his life. To be someone saved by grace. And we see here in the Bible, again, it was given in his life that God might show who Jesus was, that he indeed was of God through healing people when it comes to blindness. If the world saw it, they didn't want to acknowledge it. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. You know, Samson had the will of God, uh, uh, had a life where he was born to a particular purpose. He was to find and follow what God's will was for his life. It had been laid out uh, from even before the time he was born, who he was going to be. He was going to be born of barren parents to the house of Manoah and his wife. He was to grow up and learn about the Bible. He was going to learn about God. He was to be consecrated to God. He was to live for God. He was to adore God and worship God and, and pray to God and praise God and follow God. And he was to be, again, one that... God could use. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 17, the Bible says this, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Take heed to the ministry thou hast got from the Lord and fulfill it. You know, Archippus also had a calling on his life. We all have a calling on our life. If you've been saved by grace, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You might say, well, this is my body, this is my life. I have wherewithal to do whatever I want to do with my body, my life, whatever. You hear that from the abortion movement. You hear that from all kinds of different people. They say, you know, my body, my life, I'll do what I want with my life. I get that. If you're not saved by grace, it's your body, it's your life. You can do whatever you want with it. 
But for the Christian, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, it says here, Ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are God's. In the first lesson here, find and follow God's will for your life. It's specific. You can find it in the word of God. It starts with salvation, continues with sanctification, continues with some kind of calling that God might have on your life. No one has the same calling. All slightly different for slightly different times and seasons. But we see Samson's life. If you turn back to Judges chapter 13, he began to live after this purpose for his life. We see this in verse 24, verse 25 of this chapter. It says, And the women bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move at times in the camp of Dan, between Zorar and Estolo. So we see here, to begin with, we see Samson, I believe, come into his calling for his life. He begins to live after this calling for his life. But I, I want to mention here, secondly, the second lesson we learn from Samson's life is be not careless with God's calling for your life. Be not careless with God's calling for your life. We see many times in the roller coaster life of Samson, a life where he's careless with God's calling for his life. I'm not going to point the figure and say he's the only one that's been careless in his calling for his life. But there's certainly been a lot of us, if not all of us, that are careless with God's calling in our life. Let's notice this carelessness here to begin with here in his life. In verse 1, it says, And Samson went down to Timnath and saw the, the women of Timnath, the daughters of the Philistines, and he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman of Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now there, get her for me. To what? Then said his father and his mother unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren and among my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She pleases me well. You see the carelessness of Samson's life. It somehow began to mingle with the Philistines. His carelessness of contact led to him ignoring his parents' counsel here in verse number 3, where he ignores his parents' counsel that says, basically, don't marry this Philistine gal. And so he decides, I'm going to marry this gal, and you know the story there. They, they do get married. We see that in this chapter here of the Bible. But it's not just carelessness with this gal. Not careless just when it comes to companionship or relationship. This is not just an isolated carelessness when it comes to Samson. He begins to do contrary to his calling in his life. Not just in, in yoking up with an unbeliever. And he, he does this in this chapter, but he's going to eat out of dead carcass. Contrary to the will of God for his life. We see that in Numbers chapter 6. It was contrary to God's will. In verse 5, it says, Then went Samson down his father's mother to Timnath, and came to the vineyard of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he had rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, and he told on his father his mother what he had done. He went down and talked with 
the woman and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion and took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and gave them and they did eat, and he told them not what he had taken the honey from the carcass of a lion. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made a feast, for so used to men to do. And so they're going to make a feast, he's going to get married, everything's going to go pretty good, pretty well in general. I'm just saying he's getting married, he's, again, at least doing that, that's a good thing. I just mentioned that last week, that's always a good thing to get married, etc. But uh, I find him eating out of a dead lion carcass. This is really, I mean, as far as I can see in the Bible, this is his first major careless step against his Nazarite vow. He will be careless here later on in this chapter where he gets into a betting situation with these Philistines concerning a, a riddle. I just want to read just a little bit about this. Verse 11, it came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you, and if you certainly declare it to me in seven days of the feast and find out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 ch changes of garments. But if you cannot declare unto me, then you should give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. And they said unto him, put forth the riddle, and we will hear it, that we may hear it. So he's putting together a little contest, a little betting thing. You know, people like to bet, even today, a lot of people like to bet. And again, you find in the Bible, he's, he's veering off the will of God he, in this little betting contest with these 30 Philistines and saying, you know, if you can guess the riddle, you get 30. If you can't get the riddle, I get 30. Anyways, carelessness. This led down uh, to more trouble for him. Uh, again, you find there in the Bible, they, they want to find out what the riddle is. And so verse 12, it says, And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband, that he may declare us the riddle, lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take uh, that we have? And it is not so. And Samson's wife went before him, and thou dost hate me, and lovest me not. And thou hast put forth the riddle unto the children of thy people. And has not told me, he said unto them, Behold, I have not told my father and my mother, and uh, shall I tell it to thee? And he wept, she wept before him seven days, while the feast lasted, and it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him, and, and told the riddle to the children of the people, and the men of the city said unto him the seventh day, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto him, If it had not plowed Look, my heifer, you had not known my riddle. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. We went down to Ascaron. He slew 30 men of them and took the spoil, gave the garments to them, which expound the riddle, and his anger was kindled. And he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, who he used to be as his friend. Anyways, you see the roller coaster life of Samson just beginning here. He makes a bet. He loses the bet. Kills 30 people to get 30 garments. I mean, wow. And he's mad. He's angry. He loses his wife there in verse number 20. 
to a friend. Verse 15, he's upset, he's mad. Verse number one, it says, but it came to pass within a while after that, in the time of the wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid and said, and said I will go uh, to my wife on the chamber. But the father uh, would not suffer him to go. And her father said, I verily thought it would be utterly hated of her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And Samson said, Concerning them, and I shall be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do this, them to displeasure. And, and Samson went out and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned ta tail by tail and put the firebrands in the midst of the two tails. And when he had set the firebrands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn. The Philistines had burnt up the boats to shocks and the standing corn and the vineyards and the olives. Then the Philistines said, who have done this? And they answer, Samson, the son of the law of Timnath, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came out and burnt her and her father with fire. And Samson said unto them, Though thou have done this, yet I will be avenged of you, and after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. He went down and dwelt at the top of the flock of Elam. His carelessness led, led to, again, troubles in his life. You see here, again, him burning some fields. As a result of that, him getting himself in trouble, he gets himself in trouble, and he ends up killing some Philistines here again. Again, he's, he's in a way doing the will of God, but he's kind of doing, I believe, it through the back door, if we could maybe call it that way. He's destroying some Philistines here because of the, 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 his feelings, because of his, his folly, because of his carelessness. Judges chapter 14, verse number 20, it says, And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. He's in a position where he's doing the will of God here and there, but again, he's in a position where he's not doing the will of God here and there. So we need to be careful with our calling that we be not care, uh, careless, but rather careful. In uh, Psalm chapter 119, let's just turn over there. Where did this really start? I just want to mention where this really started was with his companionship. And uh, the Bible says much about our companionship, but uh, God's people ought to have a, a narrow kind of uh, 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 companionship, especially a close-knit companionship. Who should your companions be? Or who should your best friends be? Who should be those people that are close to you and that you are closest to? Well, for Samson, it shouldn't have been Philistines. He had friends. He married a Philistine. He was in a position where he got in trouble with all those different relationships there. Psalm 119, verse 63, it says here, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and them that keep thy precepts. Samson's companions should have been, certainly again, his, probably his parents, those close to the will of God, those that fear the Lord. That should have been his companions. But the Philistines, again, ended up doing a number of things and him doing a number of things back to them. Let's turn to Judges chapter 15. His, his burning anger turned him to do different things at times. He again... 
uh, did different things to them, and they did different things to him. They tried to kill him. He ended up killing them. There was no praying, no counseling, no necessarily doing the will of God, just tying some foxes together to burn some fields, to destroy some things, because he was mad or he was angry. As a result, he got himself in trouble at times. He wasn't counting the cost. He wasn't considering what he might do that might affect other people to a large degree. And so we see him as a roller coaster in the will of God. But I want to mention here in Judges chapter 15 and verse number 14 through verse number 20, what I see here in the Bible is the great comeback in Samson's life. The great comeback in Samson's life. He had gone astray. He had done things contrary to the will of God. Here I see what I believe is the pinnacle of the ministry of his life. It could be in a different place. Some would say maybe he's at the end of his life. But again, it seems like here you see him as consecrated to God, as most like what a Christian should be like in a few verses here, doing God's will for his life. Remember, he's to be a Again, an avenger, he's to be a judge, he's to be a destroyer of the Philistines. Let's begin to read in Judges uh, 15, verse 14. After this time of revenge there, verse 14, it says, And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his hands loosed from off his hands. And he found the jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, with the jawbone of ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of ass, I've slain a thousand men. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hands and called the place Ramathi Lai. And he was sore athirst and called on the Lord. And said, Thou hast given me great deliverance into the hand of thy servants, unto uh, the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst and fall in the hand of the uncircumcised? But God clave and hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came forth water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Therefore he called the place thereof. And Horkari, which is in Lehi unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. At Lehi. There's a number of things we see at Lehi here. We see, first of all, Samson empowered by God. He kills a thousand Philistines. And that's an amazing task. But you see him give glory to God during this time. You also see him pray to God, although he seems like he's a little bit lacking in faith here. Um, he says, but God clave a hollow place out of the jaw, and there came water there out. God provided for him. He needed water, God gave him water. A well of him that cried. That's what that name of Enkori means. A well of him that cried. He asked God, and God gave. The comeback of Samson. We see him do the will of God. We see him involved with slaying the Philistines. God blessed, God blessed him because he called to him after he had uh, certainly not always done and, and been all that he could be for God. 
Samson, after slaying this uh, thousand men here, again, accepted, was accepted as a, as a judge by the people there. You see that in verse 20. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines, 20 years. God gave him help. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 41. Someone might say, well, what happens if I veer off and I maybe go off and do something foolish or if I veer off and I get involved in betting and I make a mess there and I make a mess here and a mess there and a mess here and a mess here. Uh, is God going to help me if I, if I go back to him, if I come back to God, if I make a movement towards God, if I repent, if I, if I seek to do his will for my life again, what will God do for me? Isaiah 41 here in verse number 17, the Bible says, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Samson said, I'm dying of thirst. I'm, I, need, I need water to keep going. And God gave him water out of that same jawbone. It's an amazing thing there. I think that's the pinnacle of his life. But let's move on. Let's turn to Judges chapter 16. I mean, think about what happened in his life. I mean, the great things that happened in his life. Yet you find in his life there in Judges chapter 14 there, verse number 1 and 2, uh, he seems to go back to his, his, his carnal and foolish ways. And I say carnal and foolish because he's, uh, again, he seems to be wrapped up. His biggest trap in life seems to be bad companionship. He has trouble with companions. He picks the wrong companions. Have you ever met someone who just, they continue, I mean, it's, I'm not saying just in marriages, but I'm just saying, they just continue to pick the wrong friends. Maybe it's friends that are in drugs, and they say, well, okay, I'm just going to run with these guys because they accept me, and I like them, and they like me, or they like us, you know, whatever. And so they pick these companions, and they get them in trouble, and then they get out of trouble, and then they go back to the same companions again. This is his life. Judges 14, verse 1 and 2, it says, Samson went down to Timnath and saw the women in Timnath, the daughters of Philistines. He came up, and he said, it said, I've seen a woman of Timnath. Go get her to wife for me. Well, this is his first choice. First choice of a companion. Judges chapter 16, verse number 1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went on to her. Gaza, that's a Philistine town. And so he goes there, finds another companion and makes a mess there. In verse 2 it says, And it was told the Gazanites, Samson has come hither and they compassed him about and laid in wait for him at the night. And in, in, in the city, and, and we're quiet all night, saying, in the, in the morning, when it's day, we'll kill him. And Samson lay till midnight, and he rose up at midnight, and took the doors of the gates of the city, and the two posts, and went with them, bar and all, and put them on his shoulder, and carried them up to the top of the hill that was before Hebron. It came to pass after word that he loved a woman of the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Was another lesson we can learn from Samson's life, beware of the companionship you choose in life. Evil communication corrupts good manners, it says in the New Testament. Samson, many a time, seemed to always pick people that would take him down. And people that really were even set to kill him. We looked at that last week. I mean, this woman, this Delilah, was set to have him put to death. She would accept the bribe and... Uh, lied and tried again to find out where his strength was and all those kind of things and he would lie to her and she would try to have him beat up and 
Instead of just saying, hey, that's, that's not going to work. We're not going to hang around with each other. You see him stick with this lady. Verse 2, it says, Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and hast told me lies. Now I tell thee, I pray thee, whence thou mightest be bound. I mean, just thinking, you know, Samson, you lost, you know, maybe not, it's kind of being maybe too hard, but you lost your brains here. What's going on here? Slade wants to see you hurt. And so he lies to her again and lies to her again and finally tells him, tells her where strength lies. You find that verse number 20. Actually, verse 19, let's read there. He showed him all that's in her heart, verse 18. It made him sleep upon her knees and called for a man and caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. But she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines are upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord had departed from him. See here in the Bible, Samson finally uh, defy one of the major points of the Nazarite vow there by having his hair cut. And this woman cuts his hair his hair is cut. He loses his strength. You find later on he'll lose his eyes. He'll learn to grind. Uh, verse 22, it says, Albeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered themselves together to offer great sacrifice on Dagon their God and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And then the people saw him. They praised their God for they said, our God had delivered us from the hands of our enemies and the and destroyer of the country, which slew many of us. So just knowing verse number 24, he did, he did follow the will of God. He had, he had killed, he had put together many of the Philistines. They had been a harm to them, and he had hurt them as a result there. Verse 25, it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may make a sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me, I, may, I pray thee, to feel the pillars wherewith the house standeth, that I may lean on them. Now the house was full of men and lords, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were uh, upon the house three thousand men and women and beheld, uh, that beheld while Samson was made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon the house that stood, and on which were borne up, and the one that in the right hand and the other in the left hand, and Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were with them. So the dead that he slew at his death were more than he had slew in his life. Beware of bad companionship. His bad companionship landed him in a prison situation, landed him in a place where he had lost his eyes and lost a lot there. But I just want to say this, Samson made a final comeback. That final comeback is where he wants to end his life. 
doing the will of God. Verse 28 says, And Samson called on the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember thee, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only once more, because of the Philistines for my two eyes. It's been seen as somewhat a selfish prayer, but it still was, I believe, within the will of God. God was supposed to use him for one purpose, two purposes, to be holy unto God, which he fell away from, but he ended up becoming a deliverer to God's people. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I turn here in closing here tonight. Samson is found in the Hebrews Hall of Faith. We know if you're saved by grace, and I know if I'm saved by grace, and anybody that's been saved by grace that will see Samson one day in heaven. Samson went to heaven, and he went there as a deliverer. He, let, he ended his life there, in a sense, making one last request, let me die as a deliverer. Let me die as someone who was supposed to be a deliverer for Israel. And he does die that way. He dies uh, with them. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, it says, And what shall I say more say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mounts of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness, to me that's Samson, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, Turn to flight the armies of the alien. Goes on and talks about these individual women received their dead raised again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Still faith in Samson's life. He had his struggles in his life. There are things that we can learn from his life. Tonight, I'd like you again just take these lessons with you. Number one, find and follow the will of God. What is God's calling for your life? Find it. Number two, be not careless of your calling in your life. You might find yourself, as Samson did, struggling during those times, having a roller coaster kind of a life. Be willing to make a comeback towards the will of God. We see that at Lehi especially. And beware of bad companionships. Uh, they can take you down and they can hurt you. We see that in Samson's life. And always make a comeback in the end. We see that in Samson's life. We see him praying to the Lord and seeking to do the will of God for his life. Let's close as we consider the will of God here tonight.